Samantha, this is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. We- and then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. I hung my head. That song always rings in my head because I have this deep-seated fear of being in- accused of something I didn't do. <sighs> or totally so- relate. Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle. A celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your host, comedian and radio personality Maggie Mayfield, and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y Tune Shuffle. I'm so glad that you found Y Tune Shuffle because it is our favorite show. My name is Maggie Mayfield, your host, with our co host, David Earl Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood's secret weapon. Hello, listeners. It feels good to say that. And <laughs> our guest today is Lawrence Rengert. That's me. From the Dutch Rengerts. The Dutch Rengerts. The, the famous line of... <laughs> Which is, tell me again, what the, when you say it, what does it mean? Engert in Dutch means scary, but there's an R before it in my name, so... That just means I'm, it's I'm, like... I'm a gentler version. Scarier again. Re... Oh, no. No, I don't know. Does it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying Are to make something Are both of your work. parents Dutch descendants? You know, I don't know. You've never actually. asked? Well, we we focus more on my grandfather's side, oh. which is the Norwegian oh, side. Okay. You know, yeah. it's all about Norwegian toughness. Mm-hmm. You know, the first people to uh, mm-hmm. land in Canada oh. on, on a boat after ah. after the, the Native uh, Americans, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The indigenous. Yes. So a Viking, kind of, Norwegian. Exactly. Okay, I see it. I you know, deal. long beards. Mm-hmm. Um, we make our clothes out of... Just things we find lying around. Mm. Where did you grow up? I grew up kind of all over the place, actually. My parents were divorced when I was about three, so pretty young. That's super young. There's a big club out there of those of us mm-hmm. yes. between three and five. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I moved with my mom to Los Angeles. I was actually born in Joshua Tree, in the Joshua Tree Monument. Oh, cool. Wow. Yes, we did. Um, we had a porta potty, mm-hmm. and we had a big water tank. Uh, but when we moved to Los Angeles, we were in for a big culture shock because it was much different here yeah. than it was out there. And so I spent elementary school in the Los Angeles area, and then I moved up to San Luis Obispo for high school. With mom? W- with dad. With dad. Okay, so yeah. your mom and dad were together in Joshua Tree, then they broke up, and then you came to L.A. with mom. Exactly. Yeah. Then I moved uh, back with dad. You know, you get to a certain age as a boy, yeah. and you're like, uh, you know, really great being with mom. But I want to, you know, I want some dad time. I want to leave my socks laying around where they lay around. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and mom and dad and everybody's siblings? Uh, No siblings. You're an only child? Yes. Wow. That's interesting. Only child. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, from your generation, usually it it had to be like two boys and a girl or, you know, three boys or, you know, because I'm guessing you were born in the late 70s. Uh, 74. 74, yeah, mid-70s, okay. Your parents exactly. got it right the first time around, that's all. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. That's, that's, right. There you go, there you yeah. go. They knew they wanted a narcissist, so they uh, said, uh, oh, let's make sure not to have any other children, <laughs> and we'll be good. And they were. And were, were, you're musical and artistic and creative. Were they, your parents? Uh, you know what's funny is that um, I feel like my parents, and not only my parents, but you know, uncles, aunts, etc., were raised in a generation where they're kind of afraid to express their creativity and like mm-hmm. really choose that as a path in their life. However, after my cousin and I decided to do that, 
and you know we went to college for uh, visual arts and and he was a musician and lyricist and poet and and I did similar things as well and also visual arts um my parents and uncles and other people started expressing their creativity. My mom got in photography. She ended up opening up an art gallery. Oh my, gosh. my uncle um, cool. published a couple of books. He became a painter. And I feel like it, it kind of worked in reverse and gave them license in a way to sort of like. To uh, tap that part of themselves that they were afraid to let loose. Exactly. And as I've already explained, I'm a narcissist. So it was because Good. of me yeah. yes. that, that they were finally you laid it in able there perfectly, to overcome. Lawrence. Yeah. Well played. Well pl- <laughs> now, your cousin, can you talk about your and his relationship and how much time you spent together? And did you end up, you went up, went to school together as a plan, right? Kind of? or no? uh, Well, he actually went to um, UCSB and okay. I went to UCLA. Okay. But um, I spent a lot of time up there and he spent a lot of time down in Los Angeles. Uh, and we played music since we were teenagers. What's his name? Uh, Cleo Lynx. Cleo Lynx is yeah. your cousin. He's a musician as well. Um, check out his website. Sure. CleoLynx.com. Cool. Is uh, he super... in your, because you're in a band called Chasing Rainbows. I am. And is he play in your band? Uh, not currently, but we've done some stuff together in the past. Okay. And some of um, the early demo tapes and things of songs were done with him as well. And for the listeners, Chasing Rainbows, what? how would you describe that project and, and where are you with it? When did it start and where are you now and what do you do? <laughs> well, that's it? That's all. That just, just, the, yeah, just the facts, man. Um, I like to describe it as like your parents' record collection because oh. I have a lot of influences and they span from like, you know, 1940s West Texas country to, uh, um, you know, like the Velvet Underground, kind of wow. that New York late 60s vibe uh, through disco, through, you know, grunge. Uh, so pretty much. That's not just your parents, right? That's like your whole family's record collection. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So a lot of influences. And um, where we're at right now is we're uh, our second uh, record is done. And it's coming out next year. Congrats. Uh, thank you. And we've also started our own record label. So our first record came out on this really great indie label, um, Dutch label, uh, in the Netherlands called Excelsior Recordings. How did that come about? Pure luck or did you go looking for it? Um, I'm it, a native son. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, I s- actually studied art there um, God, about 10 cool years ago. Is, how cool You're is right. that? Like, yeah. okay, no big deal. Well, just drop that. Yeah. Well, ours gets around. <laughs> so I ended up um, going back uh, to do a bunch of concerts over the years and kind of like stayed in connection with the musicians I had played with when I was in school over there. And then we said, geez, you know, this, is, this music's really great. We really got to record it. And we started that process uh, back in 2011. And... Uh, took about two and a half years to to record it all and then we ended up finding that label that was a very well-known uh, label there and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, friends of mine's bands had been on it and so it's actually something I really wanted to achieve personally mm-hmm. was to be a part of that and uh, it ended up happening wow but music was kind of a hard left turn in your career right like what were you doing before you were playing music it was it was I was actually doing film. Um, and I started as a photographer. Uh, I was always interested in photography. I mentioned my mom uh, was was heavily into photography. And my mentors, my early mentors in college, were all photographers. 
And uh, photography led to Super 8 film. You know, then that led to developing my own film and stuff, uh, motion picture film wow. in uh, the darkroom at uh, UCLA. And Wait, you used to develop motion picture film? I did. Oh my gosh. That, you didn't download didn't it? You actually used the, the mixer yeah. and the fixer? And the it's a pretty chaotic, gap. crazy thing because you can imagine, you know. And they had to, I'm sure, like splice and edit and cut and tape. Oh my God, that sounds hard. Go ahead, continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. It wasn't the easiest route, but um, I've done a lot of uh, not easy routes in my past. So this was just another yeah. extension of that. Wow. Yeah. So um, yeah. So that was that was film, and then I uh, from that I ended up actually uh, becoming an auteur and making my own films, directing, writing, and I made over forty films in seven years. Oh my gosh! And showed them. I've shown them all over Europe. I've shown them all over the United States. Um, you know, uh, the Museum Ludwig in Cologne, which is like the biggest one of the biggest museums in Europe. Um, I showed uh, it there. I showed uh, a film there, and lots wow. of small galleries and things like that. So, so not not. I mean, you're either really super great at what you do, <laughs> or you got a hell of a part time job at Walmart or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, how do you, I mean? Well done. Yeah. Well done. What's what's the secret to your creative? you know, journey, which seems like it's pretty, like you've done a lot. Is it hard work? Is there? I think it's the same secret of, um, a lot of successful people. Um, you know, and, and not that I'm calling myself a successful person. You've already, you but... you're already out of yourself as a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Wait till uh, I start name dropping. Then yeah. Then <laughs> um, but I, I think it's it's a willingness to make it your first priority. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember there's like you yeah. know that story about um, Roy Orbison, you know, and how his his wife and his children were killed tragically, fire. you know, in a fire, yeah. and uh, he basically didn't stop touring. I mean, even after that, it was like, and you know, which is kind of a weird story to tell, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I think it, it's a, it's sort of a hyperbole of that, um, like being 100% committed no matter what. Yeah. And um, there's lots of other examples uh, of that. And so, you know, sleeping on couches, mm -hmm. um, going places. Uh, there's multiple times I've gone to other countries or cities or things and not even had a place to stay and just kind of figured it out on the fly. Wow. Things that would have prevented other people, I think, from making a choice like that. Right. Um, and I was always in it for the adventure, you know. So yeah. um, it was just another – I knew a great story was coming. Uh, if nothing else, you know, oh, I slept in the airport for four days or, oh, I slept in, you know, uh, a bush outside the Capitol building or, uh, you know, I, I brought my sleeping bag along and, and stayed on eight ca different couches or, or whatever, Oof. you know, whatever the story was. Was fear a part of your journey? Fear. I think um, I had a lot of fear of being a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was a big motivator <laughs> that kept me um, like on sort of on a wild ride for a long time. That's a qualified no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. right. Wow. Well, your soundtrack must be awesome. Here we go. All right. Here we go. Buckle Song in. number one. I okay, man. Okay. The love that we came to know. Thank God it's 
what you were expecting? <laughs> not, uh, no, not in the least. I mean, I, if I had a fan, I'd be blowing my hair. At, yeah. You know, at this point. But I, I, I have to admit, I've always loved it. I've always loved it. Well, Olivia Newton-John. I don't know. I've never heard this song before. Well, it not only is a song, it it's a soundtrack song. It's a soundtrack. It's a generation. What a lot of people don't know is that um, the song was actually written by Jeff Lynne from ELO, mm-hmm. Electric Light Orchestra, which was, uh, I mean, with the Bee Gees and a couple of other bands, kind of like the Kings of Disco, the whole the entire disco era. It's funny when I was making my list of of songs. Uh, I I took a big walk down memory lane, as you can imagine. Oh, and, yeah. and where I went first was what were what was the music that actually influenced me that I had no idea was an influence. You know, you think about the things you were listening to as a teenager, mm-hmm. or the things you were listening to in your twenties. Those are kind of obvious influences, like the first bands you really got into. What's maybe less obvious is the music that was playing like at your home when you were five years old. True, right. true. Yeah. And 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 I realized that actually a lot of the people I got into later had done things that weren't necessarily associated with them by the layperson, but um, that I was hearing, you know, as a kid. I mean, I probably heard Xanadu for the first time when I was between five and seven. And um, knowing now that that was, you know, Jeff Lynne and ELO and the people that played on that song, the incredible musicianship, um, it makes us, it makes a lot of sense why I got into like the pop music that I got into later. And I mean, it's Olivia Newton-John too, you know, I mean, come on, do, do I really need to say more of huge crush? Oh, oh. first yeah. crush, you know? And that closing sequence in Greece that just brought it all home for all of us, you know, the one that I want. So you heard this song when you were about five, somewhere five, seven years old, somewhere around there. Yeah. You said that that was about the time that your parents split up also. Like you were, oh, it yeah, was about a little, three. You yeah, a little bit before. a little earlier. So you had just come to LA at this point. That's right. What What, what was your house like? What were you doing? Like, what was a what was a day like? You do you remember? Yeah, where did you live? Do you yeah. remember like the street that you grew up on? Like, who were the I kids do. in Walnut, the neighborhood? Walnut was the street in Hollywood. Uh-huh. Um, no, not in Hollywood. Um, it was Walnut, and uh, it was a small house uh, with a tree in the front yard. Was, was that the tag tree where everyone played tag? That <laughs> yeah. was home base. It was the tree where we uh, buried, just like in Stand by Me, we buried uh, coffee ground tins of pennies and stuff in the uh, front yard oh. so that we could find them later and never dug them up. So there's just pennies hanging out in there someone's is. front so yard? I'm not going to give you the exact location. Okay, good, <laughs> idea. Yeah, good idea. My retirement fund yeah. is waiting for me on Walnut. I was just earning a lot of interest down there <laughs> into the trees. Exactly. <laughs> so on, on Walnut Street, somewhere in Los Angeles, was your home. And inside it must two have... bedroom house. Mm-hmm. It was it was very old. It was very um, you know dilapidated. You know, nice on the inside, but the the house itself had seen better days. Did you have Just, a bike? I did. I did, and I got my bike when I was five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a number five on the front. You know, and <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And it was it was. I did have that classic moment where it's like. You know, dad is pushing you mm-hmm. uh, and let goes. And then, you know, somehow you magically know how to steer the bicycle for the first time. It is and magical. You, you know, you make it about halfway down the block and then crash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good job, that a boy. Yeah. Oh, uh, thanks. Um, wiping blood. Yeah. 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 I was always the kid that, like, would fall. 
and then I'd be so upset that I'd be in trouble because I just ripped a hole in my pants. Like, yeah. oh no, I'm going to be in trouble. Oh, God, that's so funny. I had this jacket my parents bought me. I tore the side of it oh, on a no. bike accident. Yeah. And for a whole semester, I made sure my left <laughs> arm covered this gaping hole. Right. And I think now, like, I was really destined for therapy and all kinds of issues. Yeah. I was thinking, I did a whole semester hiding that sucker. That's so funny. <clears throat> oh, God. Tragic. Well, good song. All right. Here we go. Song number two. When I was alone. You promised to stand from your heart My head kissed the ground I was half the way down Treading the sand please. I wanna I wanna guess but I don't wanna guess I wanna know all that cool never heard this song in my life Well you're gonna you're gonna know the band that he was in Same era. Same era. Same country. Uh, uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders? I I don't... It's Sid Barrett. Who? Sid Barrett. He was the first singer of Pink Floyd. Sid Barrett was the first lead singer of Pink Floyd. And guitarist. And... I'm I'm, I'm out of my league here. The the band Mm -hmm. was formed around him, and... I have to say, if there's two musicians that have more influenced contemporary music, I would say it would be Lou Reed and Sid Barrett. Hmm. He was sort of the one of the first people to, I don't know, just go for it on a record, just do all of the things that you couldn't really do on an industry record. You know, you couldn't, your voice couldn't crack, you couldn't play the wrong chord, you couldn't. I mean, there were so many like rules of the rock band or the pop band of the of the 60s and he was the first one to sort of fearlessly um do that uh he was also unfortunately a drug casualty mm-hmm. so part of the reason he did that was because of uh imbibing too much um and it was a very short-lived career he started with uh, pink floyd in the um mid-60s at the ufo club and by the late 60s um, after their second record was recorded, he was already basically just never picked him up one day for a show. And this is his original solo, or was his, in nineteen seventy? He... Yeah, he he released a solo record, and a, two of the members, I believe it was, of Pink Floyd played on it. Um, it was, uh, I think, David Gilmore, the guitar player, and um, Richard Wright, the organist. Mm-hmm. And then he recorded a second studio record, but by that time he was already, um, like, he moved back to the small town in England where he was originally from and and went back to painting, which he had done before music uh, at his mother's house. And he basically stayed there until he died um, 10 years ago or or whenever that was. Mm. What made you pick this song? I picked this song because I would say that his solo music probably had the biggest influence on me consciously. You know, I I first heard his music like in my late teens and right around the time I was getting interested in doing my own stuff and being in bands and performing and performing on a stage and all of that. And his ability, his unique songwriting, his fearlessness, his kind of wide-eyed perspective on the world 
just really fit for um, what I was also akin to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so so in thinking again, kind of like with the sanity thing, which was something I hadn't really thought about before, this was sort of would have been like my obvious choice of someone said, who's the what's the one musician that's influenced you more than anyone else? It would be him. What was the first instrument that you played? Well, technically, the first instrument I played was saxophone in elementary school. (laughs) Um, And right around the same time I did piano lessons. But I was never, I, I didn't have the patience, you know, uh-huh. for um, learning music. I mean, the, the lessons maybe lasted a year. The saxophone lasted, month, you know, months mm-hmm. long. So when did you finally pick up a guitar? Um, I picked up a guitar when I was 15, I think. Did you have to beg or did you pay for it yourself? It was somebody else had the guitar. Okay. Yeah, I had, I had uh, in high school, I had a bunch of older friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, the day I started high school, I uh, walked from my house to high school. And I met, like, the cool girl in high school who was a year older, mm-hmm. who was, like, the punk girl. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm going to introduce you to the cool kids, you know, at oh, school. And so break. she yeah, no interested, in, introduced me to her friends, which at the time were not cool at all. <laughs> um, it, it was not the era of like being punk was cool, but uh, but they were cool. But they were yeah. cool. Yeah. They yeah. were cool. They were cool. And cool and to you and cool to me, and and it just like altered my own musical journey forever. Sure, because they were all in bands, and and we actually had this place called the Thrash House that was outside of town, and it was uh, an uh, the father of a friend of ours owned like a house in the country, and they were going to demolish it, hmm. and so he said, oh, you guys can just use it for like shows or parties or whatever you want. <sighs> Um, and wow. it, it like didn't get demolished for years. Wow. So multiple years through high school, we had this place and we would, we would do things on the weekend and we would have art shows there. We would gather our friends there and hang out there. Bands, uh, local bands from the high school would play there. And, and this is called the Thrash House? It's called the Thrash House. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. In the Midwest, we would just uh, set up in the middle of a cornfield, start a bonfire, <laughs> and that's how we partied. That's how it was done. Now, that's cool. Is okay. it? Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Thrash that house is Corn cool. and crickets everywhere. Just bugs and stinky. That's what it was. Wow. Th- that's cool. So what happened? Um, are you still in contact with the cool girl? What was her name? April. Do you still fall there? Are you still... I'm not in contact with her right now. I am in contact with some of those guys she introduced me to. Did you ever date her? I didn't. No, no. She was she was more like my older sister, mm. you know. And some of the guys she introduced me to are actually still doing music now. Nice. Wow. Which is awesome. Yeah. It's interesting how those kinds of friendships that are so important just kind of have an expiration date, or a, they get put on pause, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, we have April to thank for this song and so much of your musical taste now. Is there a That's nugget right. that goes along? I've, because Brett is very new to me, absolutely. I mean, at least my awareness probably heard his, his um, voice. Well, he did give you most of the nuggets That's what I thought. Okay, of the so song. The we'll say it. Yeah, we'll okay. save it for another one. Okay, cool. All right, here we go. Lawrence, this is your song number three. Cool.
such a college fan. I, I'm getting schooled left and right here. We're, we're all students of life, David. I'm there. I'm with you. Aren't it's you an ongoing school? education. This is Ween. Ween. Okay. I know this the is name. Ween. I know yeah. the name. Okay. And Ween is... Um, What's the name of the song? Um, flutes of Chi. Oh, yeah. Chi. Flutes of Chi. Right. <laughs> That's it. Ween is... The way I describe my music, um, even though our bands sound very different... Uh, is similar how I would describe this band, which is like your parents' collection. Uh, Every song on their record sounds completely different. I mean, even the instrumentation, Mm -hmm. the the genre. uh, They might go from um, an R&B track to like a metal track to a a blues uh, song. And that's what I really love about them. And also that they're so... um, I kind of think of them as one of those bands that like took a joke like too far and then went farther. And it's like so good because of how far they went into it. Mm -hmm. Like they took such a specific idea. Like how can we remake all of our favorite songs so that they don't, you wouldn't say it's that song, but it has all the elements of that song. They're original songs and then they re-record them in a completely different way. No, no, no. That's that's just the kind of vibe that I get oh, from the vibe. it. Okay. Yeah, they are totally original songs uh, mm-hmm. that they wrote. Sure. But um, a lot of them, you could, if you like, went through your your album collections from eighties, seventies, sixties, two thousands, whatever, you'd be like, oh, that sounds a lot like this Buck Owens song, or oh, that sounds like this Buck Metallica Owens. song, mm-hmm. you know, or that sounds a lot like. And this particular song, is it where does it take you? This these this this one that you chose? Um, this one takes me sort of to the Clockwork Orange soundtrack a little bit. Mm. Oh, it's wow. Yeah, uh, Walter Wendy Carlos. Um, Walter Carlos was a, a one of the pioneers of uh, electronic music mm-hmm. um, in the '60s and used like Moog synthesizers on records. Was one of the first people to do it. Had a sex change and became Wendy Carlos. Oh, wow. Uh, yes, but did the music for A Clockwork Orange, the Stanley Kubrick movie, of sure, course. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and many other things. Uh, and yeah, so it, it has, to me, it has some of those elements to it. Why the Clockwork Orange? Like, what is it? Does it make you think of like being in school, like UCLA time? Like, or are you still in high school? Or like, where? Where, Where am you? I listening to this? Um, this was, these were this is definitely Amsterdam days. Mm-hmm. This is um, when I was uh, making my films, um, sort of the middle period of of being a filmmaker, um, living there, studying, doing. Uh, I did this program called uh, the Rijksakademie van Beeldende Kunsten. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, listening to a lot of a lot of different. This is like early two thousands. And listening to a lot of music, and this was definitely uh, a favorite. What were you, what was like a typical meal while you were living in Amsterdam? Cheesy, doughy. Um, ooh, you know, have you ever had uh, patat? Uh, uh-uh, what is it? It's they're basically like really thick, long French fries with like ten different kinds of dipping sauces, and the best one is like spicy peanut butter. Whoa. It's one of those things like you, you've never had it, and you think, oh, that seems kind of weird or not good. It's like the best you thing potato, you've ever yeah, had. Rum salt. <laughs> it's a, yeah, exactly. I mean, sh- sugar, peanut butter. You know, think kind of like Indian spicy, yeah. and then yeah. like drizzled on top of a potato. So yeah, it works. For okay. me. You know, just uh, yeah. I, yeah, I worked in 
I, I hope I say this right, Den Haag. The yeah. Haag. Yeah, I was at the international school. For, oh, cool. Yeah, a number of years. Yeah. Would, uh, where, where, where exactly in Amsterdam were you? Near the flower um, market or the uh, I was in the gay bar district actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. cool. Yeah, so um, if I could get to bed between like midnight and two a.m., I, I was fine. But if I if I was like getting into bed at two, it was like. Y'all ready for this? And I wasn't going to sleep till like seven a.m. Party on. Yeah, because they don't have a two o'clock two a.m. They don't. Bar no. close. Yeah, they go but, till. Right. Mm. It's called uh, the Rembrandt's Blind. Is yeah. the okay. is the location near the Heineken Brewery? In in that in that general area. Yeah, yeah the center. Yeah. Did you just... have a Did you have a roommate? I didn't, but I lived in a really cool. I actually lived in an attic. What? It was perfect. It was the perfect like Dutch experience. Oh, you know, I, total, I in total a, Anne Frank experience in, in, in the building that was from like 1620 or something. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. all the way in the all the way in the very very top, and there was even a loft in the attics where I actually slept. Was yeah. like in the, literally like the widow's peak, the very 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 top. So if it rained, it was like raining on you. And it rained all the time. I'm yeah. Sure. So it rained on me all the time. That's kind of so cool. Yeah. You must have slept so good. Unless you got into bed at 2 a.m. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. Good choice. All right, here we go. Song number four. Wow. Got me, Lawrence. Interested. Yeah. Why this? Why this Why? song? <laughs> uh, this, well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, the book, Into the Wild, which um, is about um, McCandless, the young man who walked into the Alaskan wilderness and died, basically, uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, was something that I read actually when I was on my way to Alaska, not, not the right time no. to, to read it, no. to basically do the same thing, which mm -hmm. was to, to hitchhike and be in, in the wilderness and all of that. Um, and, and his story does not have the outcome you would want from your own. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, fast forward like eight years or something when the movie came out mm -hmm. um, that was based on that book that mm -hmm. was, uh, um, I think, wasn't it Sean Penn? I Sean think was Penn, the director. Yeah. And uh, then they, you know, they made, uh, it was one of the records that came out on vinyl as well. You know, they released the soundtrack on mm -hmm. vinyl. And, uh, you know, Eddie Vedder himself is such a, um, it's funny because I think Kurt Cobain gets so much attention mm -hmm. at like Nirvana, mm -hmm. you know, as this seminal, you know, band. And I wonder a uh, hundred years from now, if Eddie Vedder will surpass or have at least the equal amount of attention and appreciation, because they're they're from the same generation, mm -hmm. 
and same their music came from the same area and yeah it's like it's like elvis compared to i'm trying to think like carl Carl Perkins, Carl Perkins kind yeah. of thing. I mean, like the exactly or the Johnny cooler, Cash, the cooler people. But the the name drop I can't resist every time Eddie Vedder's name comes up is my first job in television was at MTV, and Eddie was an intern. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. And he played in bands, and he was a yeah. cool cat, and made right. copies and coffee really well. And then <laughs> what happened, to Eddie? Holy Pearl Jam! <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah, amazing, amazing. But yeah, I, 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 that's an interesting sentiment. Yeah, and and I, I don't know if you knew Karen Corn. She, uh, I think we bounced in yeah. similar circles. She sure. was the DP, uh, a, a second camera on Into the Wild. Was she oh wow, that? yeah, and it was like bivouac i mean they yeah. were camping as they shot yeah throughout uh, grand canyon and right. alaska it was a monstrous shoot but uh, why, yeah. why what this particular song where like where do, when this comes up randomly or you hear it does it does it explode into your personal life in any way like do you relate it to your personal life um like beyond influence musical influence yeah i mean it's it's seize the day you mm-hmm. know it's okay. a carpe diem. It's mm. uh, don't waste your life. It's um, get out and, you know, smell the flowers and all of those like quote unquote cliche mm-hmm. things that are so true. Um, you know, this, this is your life and mm-hmm. what are you going to make of it? What are you going to do of it? And um, it reminds me of that, you know, and it's so perfect that it's like played on this folk instrument and it's, it's Ooh. mostly vocals and, and. Is it uh, a mandolin? It's a mandolin. Yeah. 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 And, and for me, it's like what, what, this was a great Y tunes connection for me because I don't know the history of it. And I didn't even realize it was Eddie Vedder. I thought it was one of these newer guys or whatever. And I'd heard it periodically, maybe five times my whole life. And I'm like, Oh, I know this one. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's a shot of life. Yeah, it's a shot. Like it's such a beautiful piece that it's just—it's like an injection of like massive. I'm so happy to be alive right now. I don't even know why, but it, it's one of those songs for sure. I'm happy you're alive too, David. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I also was uh, as I was as I was thinking about these songs and which ones to choose. I was also kind of like thinking about different periods in my life. You know, obviously at the beginning we talked about like my childhood, and then more like starting my own bands and things like that, and then you know, college and the, and, and living in Amsterdam and all of that stuff. And then this is like, you know, this is like the more of a maturing kind of period or a seasoning period, kind of looking back on your life, what it's been so far Mm -hmm. and what you want to do moving forward, you know, lessons learned and, and, you know, some failures and some successes. And, and I think also, um, there's only so many years left, not to sound <laughs> morbid, but... Oh, believe um, me. But, believe me, brother. There's no turning back at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and really wanting to make choices from that place. Like, um, my time is valuable. You know, my life is valuable. And, and how do I want to spend it? That's a lesson that I'm learning, I feel like, the hard way right now. Yeah. There's there's no better way to learn it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, and I, and I, and I just this conversation is kind of exploding my brain into so many different directions today, but it's like, you know, the journey one takes may be literally into the wild. And, you know, I've been fortunate, many of us, to physically go places. And I'm gaining an awareness that a lot of people that kind of stay in a, in a similar place have an exact same journey. It yeah. may not involve physical proximity, but there's absolutely no way to avoid it. Yeah. You know, you're either going to go find it or it's going to come and find you. 
one way or another. So you got to get real with that if I'm making any sense whatsoever. But it's like the journey, the no turning back, let's do it, you know, whatever that is kind of a thing. Yeah, what that's evoking for me is um, there's something really special and also good about looking around and seeing that you're in the wild. And it's like the idea of, you know, you're blazing your own path versus mm-hmm. like just trying to do something in a way that someone else has already discovered. Mm. And if you kind of like don't know where you are, or feel confused or feel like you're in the middle of space or mm-hmm. whatever it is, that's actually a good sign a mm. lot of the times, not like that you've gone, you know, taken a, a misstep or a wrong turn. It's more, wow, you're really somewhere fresh, unique, alive, new. Mm. You guys are making me think this week I saw a sign somewhere that said, it's only about the journey if the destination is worth it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's silly. Like, oh, a road trip to go get donuts that you've never tried before. Like, what? <laughs> of course it's worth it. But as you're talking, I'm like, oh, maybe they meant something bigger. Like, we're all going to... Because I just took a hike to the Hollywood sign today, and it was by far the hardest hike in L.A. that I've... And I've done a lot, right? And so I was like, maybe this trip up this mountain to hit the Hollywood sign is just like the climb to what everyone's trying to do here. The dream, the Hollywood dream, right? Uh, yeah. And it's like, of course the journey is worth it because I'm going to the sun. Like, that's yeah. what I wanted to do. And it was and it was worth it. And it was just as hard to come back down as it was to go up. I'm not going to lie. But I was like, yeah, this feels just like what we're all trying to do, trying to make it, make that dream, that Hollywood dream come to life. And it's not easy, but damn, is it beautiful. All right. The way up. And you're yeah. either going to put your nose to the grindstone, which, <clears throat> you know, I think that that works for a lot of people, but I think either simultaneously or another option is to like, you know, throw it out like confetti as you're going into, into the world and be introspective and conscious and aware of, of where you're going and, and that this kind of stuff does make sense. And to, for me to survive today, I've I've really had to remind myself that that there 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 will be a surprise. There will be mm-hmm. something to kind of there'll, there'll be a conclusion of some sort to every moment. I guess I'm really getting super deeply philosophical, ladies and gentlemen. I <laughs> just want to say you're welcome. I, I just want to say you're welcome. Let's not. But that was a great pick. I mean, there, there's been <clears throat> yeah these first four learning and growing and thinking. And <clears throat> if I can add one last thing, please. Um, it's it's also something that's been important for me is even if it's a failure or I don't end up where I want, like I think mm-hmm. the journey's to this place, let's say, mm-hmm. and I don't end up there or it, it fails or it doesn't succeed or it's not meant to be, whatever whatever the reason. What's been really important for me is what I learn about myself, mm-hmm. like what I can persevere through, what I can commit to. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm willing to do, even things I, I thought I would not be willing to do or couldn't do, like that's some of the most valuable life uh, learning and aspects that I've had about mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Not so much arriving, oh, I finally made it, I mm-hmm. finally completed that record, or I finally performed at that place I've always wanted to to play. It's more like, wow, I was willing to do that to to get there or even to not get there. Right. And then I think, too, just thinking the Hollywood sign hike um, analogy, when I got there, I was like, oh, yeah, I got here. There's still more. I could have kept going, you know, (laughs) but I was like, there's food, (laughs) you know, like I got to go get some of that. So, like, you got to you can't stay there. Right. You can't stay there. So good. Let's hear song number five, shall we? 
This is feeling like we're in a movie kind of thing. You should see the music video to this. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Bobby D. Bobby D. You have to to include Bobby D, you know, uh, on any list of uh, favorite songs or songs that are influenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this song is called The Night We Called It A Day. The Night We Called It A Day. So a few years ago, um, much to everyone's surprise, which is is strange because all he's done is surprise people for uh, five (laughs) decades, um, Bob Dylan released an album of... um, big bands songs and they were the he's i think he's done three of them now um the first one though were songs that were not necessarily written by but popularized by frank sinatra who was someone he met very early in his career i think in like 61 or something through his manager and he was playing he and if you read um dylan's uh autobiography chronicles um, he talks about uh, his uh, manager, I think Frank Sinatra was playing at like a like a supper club or something, you know, in in Manhattan somewhere, like a high rise or whatever. And they took him up there, got to watch the set, you know, eat and then um, have a conversation with him afterwards. And uh, I love it because it's it's to me, it's like it's so perfect, yeah. you know, that he would end up here, which is, you know, the music he would have been listening to as a child himself you know, before television on a, on a, on an old radio, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. where he grew up. And, um, and it's so perfect that he would do that full circle in his own musical career and that he would do it so well. And with that like aged, you know, patinaed voice that he has, it's, it's so. I, I'm, I'm all in and I'm going to be getting these. I didn't know they existed. And and I'm just what's what's happening now for me in this Y Tunes connection, my uncles were total hippies, bell bottoms, you know, long hair, and my grandfather was, you know, Albert Francis Bolt, claimed friend of Francis Albert Sinatra when he would come up to Binghamton, New York, and upstate New York and oh. play at the Carousel Ballroom. Wow! I knew Frank Sinatra. We hang. We had drinks. You right. know, He bumped a cigarette from me. My grandfather, like, that's where I get my lying from. You know, yeah. my grandfather because we knew he was lying, but we loved it. But as a kid, we'd listen to the big band era music, and my uncles would be there. And the, and I remember it was difficult for me to see these hippies with this button. I liked both genres. Yeah. I, was, I was a flower child, but it was really bizarre for me to see that connection and that that Dylan's doing this stuff. It, great. I, I, I can't wait to hear more. I can't wait. to. Are you a big band guy? Was that something that you grew up around your grandparents or anything like that uh not big band so much but definitely the the um, soundtrack stuff and um, when i first started thinking about the music for this show a lot of it was all music that i heard like before i was 10 uh-huh. and a lot of those were all soundtracks from movies okay wow. um so uh 
you know, and most of them had orchestras, mm-hmm. um, and most of them were arranged in a fashion that you would arrange with big band music or produce with big band music, mm-hmm. but it was not from the 1940s. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what, 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 who originally did this song? Uh, that's a good question. Because I, I mean, I, I, I was totally knowing it was a big band. I didn't catch that it was was Dylan until you said it. Yeah. Is there a nugget behind this one? Of course. Let's hear that nugget. What what I what I love about this song too, is it's you know a lot of Dylan's song have this like biting irony. Mm-hmm. I mean it, lyrically, and um, it's so amazing that the song that was written you know when he was a child uh, would have like the same kind of, you know, the night we called it a day kind of like play on words Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, just with his voice and everything, the way he delivers it is, is, is such a fresh take. Um, So the first notable recording of this was Frank Sinatra. It is a Frank Sinatra. 1942. 42. 1942. Right, right at the beginning of World War II, basically. Yeah. Which was the, probably uh, close to the year Dylan was born, I'm guessing. It must have been, because he's my parents' age. Almost exactly my mother's age. The nugget on the song, <laughs> I couldn't find a lot, but I did find that Bob Dylan has a cat named Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> R-O-L-L-I-N. Rolling Stone. Oh, right? Gosh, I want to yeah. meet that I got cat. to work with his kids one time. His son's a Jacob. Jacob. I worked yeah. with Jacob when I was at Wirebreak Entertainment. Okay. Yeah. Doing what? Big like, boy, Jacob. Oh, as yeah? I, as I recall, yeah. Okay. He was very, very- He must have very, changed a lot since his own this uh, was, early musical This was, days. Uh, she's 2000, like 99, 2000. Wow. Well, he's got two. Well, there's the Wallflower- Dylan. Oh yeah, that's a, that's Jacob. And then the oh, other he's one, around all the time. Yeah, so it wasn't Jacob from Wallflowers. It was the other brother. He was he was he was pitching a movie thing for Wirebreak Entertainment. That's cool. I got to drop a name here and there. Do it. So drop that it. Was yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. The other oh. Dylan son. Yeah. The uh, the Wallflower <laughs> Dylan hangs out in the valley a lot, and he'll pop up at a lot of karaoke bars. He loves karaoke. Do you want to know? This is absolutely true. When I was living in Boston, I was living with a, guy, a bunch of guys that were in bands, uh-huh. and one of the guys' names of his band was the Wallflowers. Uh huh. And he sold that to Jacob oh, Dylan. Wow. Yeah. yeah oh, that, funny. True story. Absolutely true. Jacob said, "Can I please have it?" And they made some kind of a deal. And it was cool. And that is cool. We all got drunk, and then I forget. <laughs> so I looked it up. Dylan was born May 24th, 1941. So he would have been a year old when the song was on the radio. Mm-hmm. To bring it full sor- circle, uh, once again to the narcissist, me. Mm-hmm. Good. To me listening to Xanadu as a young child and having that influence. That's how it goes. Yeah. That's how it works. Sounds you know, around. keep listening. Perfect. And maybe Growing. I'll record Xanadu. <laughs> that would be that'd be a tough. I one. hope you do the music be. video just like that too. <laughs> oh please! <clears throat> well, these have been some great songs. Thank you so much for sharing them, Lawrence. Thank now we're you. gonna take a break. You're awesome. You're, well, we're not done with you yet. <laughs> cool. Far from it. Far from We've it. We've got a it. game that uh, I'm here David. All night. <laughs> I brought my sleeping bag. Good. David Earl Waterman, it's your turn to play band name or bar name. Woo! That's right, listeners. This is Y Tune Shuffle, famous quiz game <laughs> band name or bar name the way this works lawrence is that we'll travel all over the world until we land until we land upon a city place province or state somewhere in the world and i will spend all week 
an hour ago, researching the <laughs> names of bands in that particular area and the names of bars. Today, in honor of someone very special in my life, we're going now, to... Now, who could that possibly be? Oh, we'll leave that till after December. Um, <laughs> <laughs> San Paulo, Brazil. Oh. We're in San Paulo, Brazil, where they speak a Portuguese, the language. Now, we're in San Paulo. We're at my friend Valeria's mother's house, Dona Lucia. And I say, guys, do you want to go out and, and, and you know go hear some music and go to a club? Well, we could go hear the week play because the they're amazed. The week. week. And we can go see them at Charlie Brown. Oh, man. Or we can go to Charlie Brown, grab a bite to eat, and see the week. Which one is the name of the bar? Or which ne- which one is the name of the band? Lawrence, you're going to be working in in, in uh, cooperation with Maggie. Okay, okay. Is Maggie. the week oh, yeah. the name of the hard. bar, or is Charlie Brown the name of the bar? Which is the band? Which is the bar? The week or Charlie Brown? Well, I'm. Do you want to know my guess, or how does yeah, this work? Yeah, go for it. I'm pretty sure the week has to be the name of the band, and Charlie Brown has to be the name of the club. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No way. Because I think like gonna no say one's gonna. I was gonna say that because I was like, no one's gonna name themselves. We're the week. But it's so like 2018 to have a band named the week. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't I it? Hope, Good thing. I hope you're wrong, but I'm still gonna stay with mine. <laughs> you're, you're, okay. okay. So. So I think it's all right. The Char- bar. Charlie Brown Jr. was a Brazilian rock band from the city of Santo oh. San Paulo, whose main influences were sublime, dot, dot, dot. Wow. Punk rock, alternative rock, rap rock, ska, reggae rock, and funk rock. However, the- Just nailed it, Maggie. <laughs> the Just week- nailed it. So meta. Here's where, here's, here's where we went off track, Lawrence. The week, W-E-E-K. Uh-huh. Yeah, which I thought I probably should give you the spelling. Uh-huh. No, 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 that totally would have changed anything. my answer. Is actually really? a uh, no. if, if, if you're at R not at all. Goracas three two four Agua Branca San Paulo SP oh five zero three three Brazil, which I will be you, later tonight. Yes, right. uh, you can go there. It is a gay friendly discotheque. Rembrandt's blind. Yeah, where yours truly used to hang out and party, hotty. Not me, but my friend. Make sure you're out of there by three. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, Lawrence, your job is, uh, you're both winners for playing the game. So we've got some Tootsie Rolls, here, some Milky Way. Candy! Very nice. Candy for the, for, the, for the winners. I love it. Um, you, Lawrence, your job is to take us somewhere in the world, anywhere, so we can play band name or bar name with next week's guest. Where do you want to go? Ooh, that is a good you've been question. A, you've been around the world and I, yeah, yeah. Why don't we go to... Um, in in honor of our Dutch uh, uh, friends, why don't we go to Eindhoven, Eindhoven, the, the the rock and roll capital of the Netherlands? Eindhoven, Eindhoven. Oh, okay, near the Waterbergen. You know it, <laughs> Eindhoven. Where they wear the Lederhosen? <laughs> no, what do they? No, Eindhoven it's, it's NL. The, the wooden shoes. Yeah. Clogs. And the cheese. Don't touch my <gasps> wooden shoes. <laughs> Is that story true about the little boy that put his thumb in the dam? The dike, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's I a, do. It's a proverb. <laughs> well, I know the guy. I thought that was like a thing that they told little. And I his don't finger know. was never the same. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's still there. 
after 3,000 years. Did yeah. you see it? Well, he's a bones. He's bones. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's but he's smiling. Well, All according, right, to global, the according to global warming, the water should be lower now or higher. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Eindhoven, the rock and roll capital of the Netherlands. It's like That's Cleveland it. in Europe. <laughs> I think Phillips is also there. I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about my research on this one more so next, next week. For sure. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Good one. All right. Well, thank you very hard, Lawrence. We'd love to hear the story of your very first concert ever. My very first concert ever. I would say it was probably in Hollywood, um, the Natural Fudge Factory. The Wait, venue. That's the, the name the of the venue. The, the venue. venue. It was a venue on Santa Monica Boulevard, very close to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, where they do screenings and, yep. and things now. Yeah. It's right down the street from there, and it was a punk club that was around in the early '90s. And the, what was really cool about that place was this was still in the the, the time of cassette tapes, is and and CDs were, were also around. Is that he would record your band while you played directly to cassette. Cool. And then when you got off the stage, he would hand it to you and say, "Thanks, man." Because you probably weren't getting paid any money, so he would give you, you know, at least you get like, "Hey, here was your, you know, a live recording. Here was your cool, yeah." And it's, I mean. Especially, I think I was 19. You know, it was super cool to who have that. Who was this guy? Yes. What was his name? So who? He was the natural fudge factory guy. No, don't, oh, my God. The Mike guy. at the fudge factory. <laughs> natural fudge. Was it, um, who, who, who was playing? Who did you see? Or was that you, your oh, band? That, oh, I thought you meant my first concert performing. That no, was. that's great. Okay. Uh, okay. That was my first concert performing in a band I had called The Drips, the Drips. which was a Hollywood punk band. Who's in it? And who's the name of the people in it? Yeah. Um, Jerry, Frank, Renee, and myself. The Drips. Lawrence. The Drips. <laughs> the Drips. Was that about coffee? Yeah. Marka Marka? No. Okay. Bad pun. Sorry. <laughs> and for you, growing up in LA, you're, you're the first concert you attended at the Hollywood Bowl or no, wherever. Wherever. It was probably Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Cool. It must have been Duran Duran in like the mid 80s, 1985, 1987, something. So something that would make there. you 16 or how old? Uh, that would make me like 10. 10 years. Duran yeah. Duran at 10. Okay. Well, yeah, okay. So my mom was in her early 20s when I was born. Okay. So one of the cool things about having a young mom was that my mom was still collecting music when I was a kid. Yeah. Like she was going to the record store all the time. She was buying, you know, cassettes. She was buying vinyl. Of course. And so I got into music myself really young because we were like two young people, you know, yeah. going to the music shop. And so my first record was uh, Minute Work, you oh, know. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and my first concert was Duran Duran, and this was all happening like before I was a teenager. God, I was in college. That stuff was well. No, I was in high school with Duran Duran, and I didn't like them. They were I didn't get them. My <laughs> sister loved them, and now I, I I would kill to see Duran Duran live. Yeah, they were very very mainstream, but you know, for a ten year old, it was pretty. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's it, so much of that music has a second life. Oh you, yeah, you just become older and wiser. All and music does. Oh, I think. totally. That's the beautiful thing about it. And it's usually like the the next generation loves the music you hated. Mm-hmm. And you went with your you mom know? to see Duran Duran. Um, did I go with my mom? I may have gone with um, my best friend lived on the same street on Walnut, mm-hmm. uh, down the street. Mm-hmm. I may have gone with him. Do you remember the venue? Uh, it had to have been the forum. The forum. Okay. It had to have been the forum. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. There was a time, people, when the Staples Center didn't exist, just so you know. What? Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. What about the last show you attended? Last concert you went to? Not yours. The last show that I went to was Parting Lines, which um, is one of my favorite bands right now. Um, it's a duo, mostly, but then they perform out with other people as well. Like they'll have a keyboardist or a drummer or sometimes bass player. And it's a guy by the name of Trevor, who's the songwriter and the front man. And they're really great. Actually, they just they have a new uh, record out right now. And it's very like beautiful if you like harm uh, harmonies mm-hmm, and singing yeah. and, and guitar and piano driven music. It's one of the best. And I saw them actually at a record store. Uh, they did an in store at night in Ventura cool. at my local record store, which is Grady's Music uh, in Ventura. It's like the cool throwback, you know, vinyl record shop, small. Wow. Um, and if, every once in a while when there's a band he really likes and wants to help, he'll let them play in the store at night and, you know, invite friends and, and things That's like so that. Cool. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Parting lines. Parting lines. Good to know. Check it out. Okay. All right, Lawrence, this is the time of the show where we, you promote away. How do we find you? How do we get a hold of your music? What's, what's going on? <laughs> well, what's going? the newest thing that's going on is I just started my own vinyl-focused record label called Drink Me. And um, our handle is Drink Me on Wax. So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, pretty much all the social media sites. It's all backslash Drink Me on Wax. Uh, Chasing Rainbows is my primary band, uh, and that's that's been going strong um, for a while now. Mm-hmm. And we're a Chasing Rainbows Music, uh, so it's uh, ChasingRainbowsMusic.com, but also Chasing Rainbows Music on Facebook, Chasing Rainbows Music on, on Instagram. Uh, we don't have our own YouTube site, but we do have some YouTube songs. We are on Spotify. You can find our last full-length record, which is called With... Hank Yonkers mm-hmm. uh, on Spotify. And then you can find our newest uh, Vinyl 45 on uh, Bandcamp uh, from our own record label, Drink Me. Drink Me. Yeah, and it's called Wasted Spotlights. Beautiful. Wasted. Nice. Spotlights. Let's go out on some Chasing Rainbows music. Ooh, I love it. Oh, gonna hear I don't want to go yet. No, get comfortable. This is Chasing Rainbows. Lawrence Renger, you've been amazing. Thank you for being so generous with your time and your music today. Thank you, Maggie <laughs> and Dave. I appreciate it. I, I, you guys are awesome. I'm speechless. I'm loving this so much. David Earl Waterman. Yeah. You are the best co-host ever. I'm so glad to know you and so I love glad that you, you could spend this afternoon. Me too. Well, that really was a preview. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want more. I know. Put Beautiful. your money where your mouth is, Dave. Chasing Come on. Rainbowsmusic.com. Make it happen. Yes. I've been Maggie Mayfield, your host. And uh, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and share on any of the social medias at YTunes Shuffle. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.